you're not going to be, I don't believe, punished when you get to heaven. I believe God can chasten you while you're here. God may cut your life short. There's all kinds of things that can happen in our lives. And so God is going to complete the chastening process. And cure the rebellious nature of Israel. This is why at the end, uh, when you read the 11th chapter of the book of Romans, uh, when it says that Israel was the real olive tree, but they were broken off because of unbelief, and the Gentiles were grafted in because of belief. But he says not to get too high-minded because the same God that did that can also remove the Gentile and put in the true olive vine again. And he says that blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles be come in. And then in verse 26 in chapter 11 of Romans, it says that when they see him, uh, Israel will be saved as in a day. In other words, at one moment when they see him, and this is mentioned in chapter 12 of the book of Zechariah, chapter 13 of Zechariah, and when they see him, they will ask about the scars in his hands and his feet. So it shows that if it's mentioned in about the scars in his hands and his feet, he had have already come before, before this moment, when he comes in great power and great glory at the end of the seven years. And so Israel will see and believe, and God will take that little remnant of believe in Israel, and they will start their kingdom upon the earth. Uh, remember this is uh, a story in the book of Ezekiel about uh, the, the valley of the, uh, the dry bones. And so the dry bones is coming to move, and they come together, and uh, the sinew and so forth, and the flesh coming upon them. But they don't have a new heart. It's Israel in the land in unbelief. But God, one day, when they trust Christ as Savior, they will have a new birth, and Israel will be a believing people, and he will use them to start the kingdom, which was the like a seed of a mustard seed, and do great things. The covering, covering the payment for sins when Christ came to make reconciliation for iniquity. This is what's going to take place. And he's going to set up the kingdom upon the earth. Worship God for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Christ is the predictor and the fulfillment of all prophecy. All prophecy deals with the Son of God and what he is doing and what he wants and his will. And uh, it's, it's, all about, it's all about him, that's for sure. So he's going to set up the king. The kingdom's going to be here. So that you do not think that the church is supposed to supplant the kingdom of Israel. It is not. Promises made to Israel are still in effect. Israel will be given the land just like God promised them. And so... We're only a time period in here called the Grace Age for about 2,000 years. And God's going to take us out of here. That time is coming. He says, know therefore and understand that from, here's your from, from the going forth of the commandment to restore and to build Jerusalem unto the Messiah, the Prince, shall be seven weeks, threescore and two weeks. The streets shall be built again, and the walls, even in troublous time. And when Ezra and Nehemiah went back, they did have a lot of trouble. There was people who didn't want them to build. But build it, they did, did, and the wall was finally done. 
And then notice the from and the unto. These are started and stopping points from the going forth of the commandment to restore and to build Jerusalem unto the Messiah, the Prince. Now, seven weeks, 49 years. One score is 20 years. 60 and two weeks would be 62 weeks. Well, 70 weeks or 490 years that ends when the kingdom begins. Now, I always like to draw. I don't know about you, but I love to put little things in there and, you know, try to figure all the stuff out. So you have 70 weeks. It's 490 years. But that was from the time they go back and rebuild all the way until the kingdom. That's the total 70. But something happened. There's 69 weeks or 483 years, but that was only for a period of time up until the cross. So when Christ was to be crucified, he died right on the very year, and according to the scriptures, we know the very month and the very day. And that's all told way back there in the book of Daniel. Coincidence? I don't think so. I think there's a God in heaven that knows what he's doing, and he is right dead on schedule. So the last week up there after the cross is what we call the 70th week of Daniel. Because 69 was up until the cross. So this is why. 62 weeks, 434 years. Well, that's because after three score and two weeks shall the Messiah be cut off, but not for himself. But why didn't it mention the other seven years? Why just 62 weeks? What happened? Well, this is because there is another issue here. The temple in Jerusalem was going to be built. And the time to build that, seven years was allotted for that. And so that's the first period of time from here to here. That period of time right there was seven years or seven weeks, which was 49 years. So when you go to the New Testament and the Gospel of John, Jesus answered and said unto them, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. They said, then said the Jews, 40 and six years was this temple and building and wilt thou rear it up in three days? But he spake of the temple of his body. But the temple itself Yes, it was, and there was 49 years, a lot of that. And so after that, you have 62 weeks left, 434 years. So everything is right on schedule, and this period of time right here, Christ came and Christ died. And this is where the 70th week of Daniel is, and then there's the kingdom. See, there's no church age in here. When you study the Old Testament, you do not see uh, the stuff about you know, the church uh, there's hints about it and types about it and Enoch and the rapture and things like that, but the information about the church is in the New Testament given to the Apostle Paul. So that's the 46 years, and so we have where they said 46 years, and, we'll, and, and that's why they couldn't understand what Jesus said. You know, you'll destroy this temple in three days, raise it again. He said it took 46 years to build, but he was talking about his body. See, they didn't always understand what he was talking about. But whenever they say that, see, but they're giving information that helps you to understand the scriptures. So 
This is why all this is so important. And after threescore and two weeks shall Messiah be cut off, but not for himself, and the people of the prince that shall come. Now, this is after the cross. So Rome was already there. But we're talking about after the cross, after Christ has been crucified, they're going to destroy the city and the sanctuary, which they did. So there's like a, a dual prophecy, a near prophecy and a far prophecy. You ever hear about history repeating itself? It does, and over and over again, because people never learn, and they just keep repeating the same dumb, stupid things. You don't do that in your life, do you? We're glad of that. Because whenever something goes wrong, you learn from that, and you go ahead, and you don't keep making the same mistake over and over and over again. I know that. Now, the prince is the Antichrist that shall come, is future. And after the Messiah is cut off, he will destroy the city and the temple after it has been rebuilt, until the end of the 70th week, wars are determined. So the last seven years, if everything had just stayed right where it was, there would have been this judgment and so forth and all that. And then Christ, well, he would have come and there would have been uh, Elijah come on the scene and preaching. And uh, he says, if you had accepted Jesus, then John the Baptist, well, he would have been John, uh, Elijah. But since you didn't, then he's not. Then that means Elijah's still got to come yet. In my way of thinking, which I believe most people hold that view. So this is as Daniel prophesied. You have the 69 weeks up to the cross. You have the 70th week. Then you have the kingdom age. See how easy it is? It's all laid out. Now, this is how Daniel's prophecy was enlarged. What we have now is this. The king was rejected and crucified. So now we have... Uh, this little time limit in here, the church age, the grace age, the body age. This is where we are. And we're in here because they rejected the king. And we have accepted the king. So he's called the head of the church, but he's still the king of Israel. But the kingdom has been moved out into the future. So this could be looked upon as a, a gap in here, but whatever. It's a period of time that God deals with us. Now, the seven years is out here, and the kingdom is out here. Now, we know this is a thousand years, a thousand year reign. And we know the seven years is the 70th week of Daniel. So, this is why most Bible teachers teach that the tribulation period is seven years long. There's some who think it's 40 years and all these things. And I, I believe that Christ is uh, going to come back for us right before the seven years starts, and he's going to come back with us to the earth at the end of the seven-year tribulation period. But this period of time right here, see, it's unknown. We don't know how long this is going to last. We often say about 2,000 years. But remember, the seven years right here is part of the 2,000 years. But be it as it may, I don't really know the day nor the hour. I'm not saying you can't know. I'm just saying I don't know. Now, you may know. The kingdom was postponed, and the 70th week was postponed. The church age began. Three and a half years, in the midst of the week, in the midst of the week, he will cause the sacrifice, the oblation to cease. That means that during the tribulation period, that the temple has to be rebuilt, 
And they must have the temple sacrifices again because he's going to cause them to stop. Now, the peace covenant must include Israel's right to exist. And this is why you'll find in several places I'm at the, the holy covenant, the holy covenant, especially chapter 11 and uh, another chapter. There's a talk about the, the holy covenant, the holy covenant. And Israel's right to the land, Israel's right to build the temple on the temple mount. Israel's right to sacrifice on the altar. So this has got to take place in order for there to be this peace treaty. Now, how all of it's going to come about, I don't know. But I uh, look for it any day now, something to happen that will make it all come together. Anyway, that's the material that I wanted to give you on that. And next Wednesday night, I will give you the other section of that. You're going to like the other part that I did. I spent a lot of hours drawing up this stuff. And because uh, I, I, I just love it. I, I love the Word of God. I love teaching it, love studying it. Now take your note there and look at the Daniel's image. Daniel's image. And you'll notice on the left, on the very left of the page, talks about the times of the Gentiles. That is from Babylon all the way down to the end of. Of the, uh, of the tribulation period. That's called the times of the Gentiles. And you'll notice on the right-hand side of the page, number one, there's a two, three, four, five. Those are the kingdoms that are going to rule and have dominion over the nation of Israel, which is what has taken place. And before Babylon came along, uh, there was the Assyrian army that took the northern ten tribes, right at the top of the page there, about 722 B.C. And then Judah, which is made up of Benjamin and Judah, uh, went into Babylonian captivity. So remember, the guy named Nebuchadnezzar had a, a nightmare and had this dream of this wild image of this beast. But the beast was these nations. And you'll notice that when he saw this, he says, the image of the beast, image of the beast. Well, the beast is made up of many different nations. And in the New Testament, in the book of Revelation, it talks about the beast, the beast. But the beast is not just, you know, one nation, it's a accumulation of many nations. And he talks about the head of gold, and then he talks about the breast and arms of silver, the Medes and the Persian Empire, the Alexandrian Empire, the Roman Empire. And then you have the last one, I believe, down there, number five, the feet and toes, iron and clay. So I separated the feet from the ankles because I believe that the last world power is going to be the ten toes. I don't believe that I should have, you know, had the feet, the ten toes at the cross and then do it again. Because these are all different nations. A different period of time. It says the last one is worse than all the ones before it. You say, well, it's supposed to be the revival of the Roman Empire. And one of the reasons that that is taught, and it could be, uh, it, may, it may be. I believe it will include it, but it's not going to be exclusive Roman. And that is because... If you take out the mystery of the church age and slide the feet right up against it, uh, then it would appear that 
they all just flow, and it was the Roman Empire then, so it'll have to be the Roman Empire at that time. Now, there's a possibility that can be true. But all of this is because God says that he's going to judge the nation of Israel, and he says, if you don't obey me, I'm going to put you under Gentile dominion. And this is why almost every one of these kingdoms have just about tried to do away with, with the Jews. And they were scattered upon the face of the earth and go back to the land, and now they're back in unbelief. If we are living in this little gap period down here, then if we know what's supposed to happen during that seven-year period, then many of the things that are going to happen then must be getting ready in our time. So as you look around the world today, it's amazing how you can see so many things happening and things getting worse and worse and worse. And because we're Christians, that's why we can have the freedoms that we have. And America, I believe, is the last greatest hope in this world for any nation to have freedom. And when we lose it, and if we go down and we go dark, there won't be no more. I believe we are the last one. There's no other nation where it's going to come on the scene that's going to be able to, I believe, be the testimony like America was at one time because we had looked to the Lord. But we're getting to where we're slowly, see, changing our values. People want, they want to live in sin. And they want to be able to have the freedom. They don't want the guilt. They don't want the condemnation. And so, therefore, they want to be free of the, I guess you could say the, the Christian ideology. So that's why there's such a move on to do away with anything that deals with decency, with what we would consider having values in your life. Well, you know what's right and know what's wrong, and you, you, you want to do right. You want to please God. When God is at the core and the center of everything that you are and everything that you want to do, it kind of has a restraint upon you. Truth is a restraint then there's nothing left but the old sinful nature and there's no control for that outside of truth. And so we're living at a time where I guess a lot of people just really don't care. There's such complacency that people don't take a stand and believe something that's rock solid and willing to suffer the consequences, whatever they may be. But I think that we, we, we should. If we don't preserve the education of the kids then you can't change America. It's not going to be done. There has to be something that will shock this country where adults get back to the Lord. And some people would call that a revival. Well, let it be. But it's got to start somewhere with somebody. And maybe it'll be somebody in this room that starts such a great change or sacrifice of some kind that just starts catching fire. And who knows how far it'll go. But I remember the guy that ran for governor in Colorado. He came to my house one night and he wanted to talk with me because I had a, a huge Christian school and a lot of people that was in our ministry. And he was looking at those as votes. Thought if he could get me on his side, he would get all those votes. And so we went out to a restaurant, we sat down and we talked. And it didn't take long for him to understand that I believed in the rapture. 
and he slammed the table. I mean, he hit it hard. He said, I can't stand these people, these Christians, that keep talking about Christ is coming back and getting them out of here, and, and, and the rest of the people are going to have to. He says, and they're lazy, and they won't do anything, and they won't take a stand, and our country's going to the devil, and can't get them to do anything. Now, he might be talking about a lot of those people, but that, that's, that's not me. But he put us all in the same boat. And then talking to him, I found out that he was Christian science. He didn't believe in sin. He didn't believe in death. He didn't believe in getting sick. Well, it wasn't long after this. He was in the hospital, and I went to see him. When I walked into his room to see him, he kind of looked up at me, and I says, um, are you sick, or you just think you're sick? He says, I'm not really sick. I said, why are you here? He says, I'm having some mental problems, and that I think that I am. It wasn't long before he thought he was dead. He died. He was dying of cancer. But he was in denial. Denial. He wrote a huge article against me and put it in the Rocky Mountain News and the Denver Post. How that he did not want anything to associate with that Ralph Yankee Arnold fellow. There's been a price over the years that I have paid for putting my nose out there. Putting my views out. Letting people know what I believe. And I don't care. If I believe it's right, I'll stand on it. If I'm not sure, I back off a little bit. But I've known the Lord too long to be a coward now. If I was going to compromise, I should have started years and years ago. I've been gone too many years. I'm too close now. I have no intentions of changing, turning tail, dipping my flag. No. I know who I am. I know what I believe. And I believe, yes, Jesus could come back at any moment, and I want to be found faithful. And if he doesn't come for a hundred years, I still want to work and build and plan, and so he won't come back in my lifetime. Now, people can take that however they want, but I don't know no other way to put it. Why in the world would we plan on having a summer camp if I believe the Lord's coming back today? Why go to work tomorrow? Go home tonight and let the Lord come back and get you. But you don't you believe the Lord could come back today? Yeah. But are you going to still go to work tomorrow? Yeah, why? Because if you don't, you still might want to eat. You still got life to go on. So the second coming of Christ should not destroy our will to be found faithful in doing something. And planning and having a vision and a long range goals. It should motivate us and challenge us to realize we ain't got much time and I want to do all that I can while I can for as long as I can. But if you're here and you're not sure of going to heaven, all this about Christ coming back again, well, it's true. The prophecy in God's word, the timing, everything is right on schedule. If a man really wants to know the truth, 
It's all in the book. This is you and me. And the wallet represents sin. We all have sin on us. Now God says that he loves us. Now he hates our sin, but he loves us. And for us to go to heaven, we have to be perfect, as righteous as God. And none of us are perfect. None of us are righteous. We've all done things wrong. And God says to pay for it is eternal death and hell. And so God says you can't save yourself. You can't work your way to heaven. God said it's not by works of righteousness which we have done. Not of works, lest any man should boast. So a man doesn't get to heaven because of how good he is by his good deeds. So we need a Savior. This hand represents Jesus Christ. He's God in the flesh. Came into the world because he loves us, hates our sin, because it separates us from the Lord. So Jesus Christ took all the sin, paid for it on the cross, came back from the dead. And God said that if you and I, if we would believe that he did it for us, it put that payment he made to our account, and we get to go to heaven on what Jesus Christ did. It's a gift. It's totally free. If I offered you this mouse, you could take it home to your cat. If I offered you my wallet, and you accept you'd have a wallet. If I offered you my Bible, and you accept you'd have a Bible. Well, if Jesus Christ walks in here and offers you eternal life, and you accept it, you would have eternal life. And if it's eternal life, it lasts forever. And if it lasts forever, and all your sins are paid, then where would you go when you die? To heaven. So can you know you're going to heaven before you die? Yes, you can. You can know that you have eternal life. And I'm glad of that. But serving the Lord, winning people, training people, that's such a great thing. It's a joyous thing. It's the best thing anybody can ever do in this world. I'm so glad I know the Lord. Let's pray, shall we? Our Father, we thank you so much for your blessings to us. And Father, we know that there's many here that are they're hurting. They've got various problems. And Lord, there's people of all kinds that need help. We ask your blessings upon each person here. And, and Father, we have many things that we, we seek to do. But Father, without you, we can do nothing. All of our labors in vain without your hand upon us. We just want to get people under the sounds of the gospel. We want Christians to be challenged to serve you. We thank you for the radio ministry, the internet ministry. And Father, each person in the room tonight, bless each one. And Father, no doubt there's many people that watch by internet. And Lord, as they sit there and they watch, and, and we pray that they'll enjoy it and they'll be blessed. But Father, more than anything, we want them to trust your Savior. We also want them to draw close to you and for them to realize the importance of them serving you and doing right. Help us to be found faithful until you come. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.